0: I'm Josh, Pastor Kevin's son, and I want to welcome you to church this morning, especially any visitors we may have with us. We just want to let you know that it is so good to have you, and we ask that you just make yourself right at home. We're excited this morning to be continuing our series in prayer. We've been coming together as a small group this week and praying, and that's what the message is about this morning partnering in prayer but first we're going to praise we're going to worship we're going to sing your love awakens me and we want to thank jesus that his love does awaken us it brings us life not possible without his love it breaks down sin's power and his love draws us in and draws us back to the father amen let's sing and worship this morning
1: are so thankful for your love, for your love, God. We are so grateful. If you are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, lift up one hand. We thank you, God, that you have redeemed us. You said that you would never leave us. You would never forsake us. And we want to pour out all our worship upon you. You are worthy of all of our praise, and we are thankful that you walk with us, that you talk with us, and that you are so very near if we will just Thank you.
2: The mm-hmm may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So good to see all of you in the house of the Lord this morning. Welcome to all of you. We are excited and do come with expectation today as we continue, as Pastor Josh says, our series on prayer. I know that the Lord is hearing our prayers and change is being affected. He is so, so faithful and we just exalt the name of Jesus today and give him the highest praise today. So thankful for your giving last week to the missions offering as we bless those children in Mexico. We were able to take up all of the money that we needed in one offering to bless them. And so thank you so much for your generous, generous giving last week. This week we're going to focus on the elderly, and today our missions offering is going toward the Easter treat bags that we provide every year for all of the residents in our area nursing home. It's about five hundred of them, and I know Easter several weeks away, but we're getting the stuff ordered. Our uh, volunteers for our treat bag team are going to be making those bags shortly, so that they can be delivered around Easter time. And we're so excited that we're finally able to get back into those local nursing homes and minister. Our daughter, Hannah, had signed up to minister at the nursing home for the first time, and she's been coming home with all of her stories and met a lady that was 99 years old. Her husband was a pilot in the war and has a vivid memory and was telling all of the stories. She met another lady who was very involved in cancer research search, and she said that the lady was telling Hannah she had went to the doctor, and the doctor knew who she was and went and grabbed a journal off of his shelf that had her research in it, and, you know, I thought about that generation has given so much to us. What an honor. What a privilege to give back to them through our time, through our resources. I know as we bless them with their little bags, their family members, the residents have said how much it means to them. So what a worthy, worthy cause today as we shine the light of Jesus to those elderly in the nursing homes. So we ask our ushers to come forward at this time as we receive our morning missions offering. Let's stand together and bring our offering.
3: Good morning, everyone. What happened to spring? Amen? Golly. Jack Frost came nipping at our nose. And I'm not happy. And I'm sleepy, too, right? You know, at our home, of all the things that we overcome in life, this time change is like this thing that just this saga that is so overwhelming in our life. And you know, it's like. My wife is so amazing. She's just the most wonderful person that God ever put on planet Earth. She's my helpmate. She influences me in such a good way. Our kids, our grandkids. But I'm going to tell you, this is time change thing that just really, something's got to change, baby. I'm just going to tell you. It's like three weeks, hey, we're going to lose an hour of sleep that week, and we're going to lose an hour of sleep, we're going to lose an hour of sleep, we're going to lose an hour of sleep. Hey, you better get in bed, we're going to lose an hour of sleep. And this thing gets on me. I think tossed and turned all night long last night. Got out of bed like, oh, God, help me. Go downstairs, and I, I'm, I'm for her to say, I had a horrible night. I had a horrible night like she normally does at this time. She said, how did you do? Like I went through some major surgery last <laughs> night because I lost an hour of sleep. And I said, well, how did you do? Well, I did great. Listen, I love you, sweetie. I can't live like this any longer, I'm telling you. Something's got to change. I'm taking authority. Henceforth, the time change has no effect on my life. Amen. So if you would excuse me just a minute. Okay. What are you talking about? Prayer, okay. Prayer. Seriously, when the Lord begins to highlight something in our life the way he is right, the way he is right now, It means something needs to change, it means I need to stop doing something or start doing something or stop believing something or start believing something. When the Lord begins to highlight something in your life, we need to really pay attention to it and I know that I know that I know that's what he's doing right now. I had no plan whatsoever of preaching this series. And each week the Lord's been dealing with me about this. And so I'm asking you to also honor the Holy Spirit's leading and make sure that we do not pass through this season without getting whatever it is that the Lord wants to do in our life. To make a lifestyle change concerning the subject of prayer. And I have heard many testimonies of what the Lord's doing in your life as he's stirring up prayer in your life and I'm so excited about that. And so please say an amen, not literally, say an amen, so be it Lord in my life and make me a man, a woman of prayer. And all God's people said, And so Lord, that's what we're asking. And so last week we gave this verse out, it said pursue peace. We were talking about priorities in prayer, pursue peace. With all people and holiness, pursue people, pursue peace with people, pursue peace with God, being in unity with God, without which no one will see the Lord. Now, I want you to be aware of this fact that if you don't even know that verse is in the Bible, the truth of that word is working in your life. If you forgot it was in the Bible, Or as you hear it now or last week, if you don't have any revelation on it and you really don't think much about it, the reality of that verse and the truth of that scripture is playing out in your life whether or not you're ignorant of it or not, right? Pursue peace and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. That's powerful to me. No one will see the Lord. I know where it's at. Hebrews 12, 14. Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with all people and hold without which no one will see the Lord. But it's a reality in my life. It's a reality in your life. It's a reality in our life. And these must be priorities. But I want to go another level in that verse and put it back up there. Pursue peace. That means make a connection with people. Let it be. The pursuit of your life to make a connection with the people of God, especially. Let it be the pursuit of your life to stay in a connected way with God. The Old Testament said cling to the Lord. And to be in this, in this partnership with people and with God. We said last week prayer is the pursuit of peace. Prayer is recognizing and coming into partnership, partnership, partnership with God and partnership with man. I want to make a statement right here that I really, when we walk out the doors and get in our car and drive away, I pray it never leaves you. This is the goal today. This is my prayer that we understand this fact right here. In the kingdom of God, there is no alone. There is no alone, only together and partnership. Do not, I know maybe that did not wow, right now. But listen, this is a reality that you must be aware of. There is no alone in God. By faith, can you just say amen right there? Genesis 2.18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone he made this it was good he made that he saw it it was good he made man he's walking around the garden by himself and god said that's not good it is not good that man should be alone i will make him a partner (laughs) i'll make him a partner and i'll partner with him and he'll partner with his partner and his life will be complete. What an amazing thought that God, dare I say it this way, and God made it this way. I didn't, it's not me. God wasn't enough for that man. So God said. God said he needs somebody like him, a, a helper comparable to him. He needs a partner in life. You know, after COVID, I saw a report. I I looked it up yesterday or the day before yesterday and said our new report suggests that 36% of all Americans, that's one out of three, including 61% of young adults and 51% of mothers with young children feel serious loneliness. One out of three of you feel serious loneliness. The majority of young adults in this room feel serious loneliness at times. Half of our mothers with young children feel serious loneliness, and it's a serious problem. It really is. And I want you to understand you can sit in a room this size with hundreds of people around you and be lonely, feel very lonely in your life. I wanna say this may shock you. My wife, we've been married for 33 years, 34. That'll be a fight in the car when we leave, amen? Why do I do it? Uh, We got married, we were kids, right? I love her, she goes nowhere without me. If she goes somewhere without me, I'm texting ETA, question mark. We love each other, we do everything together. But there's times when no matter how wonderful she is to me as my bride I can still feel seriously lonely in my life as much as I love my grandbabies and they are my world they can all be scattered around me but there in my heart I can still feel serious loneliness and there's a reason for that because there is some certain level of that my helpmate can't give me. I need God and his presence and his partnership, come on, working in my life to fulfill what I need on my inside. I need Jesus and I need her. I need God and I need my family. I need God and I need you, my church family. What is Satan trying to do in your life? What is Satan trying to do in my life? He's trying to get you alone. If he can't literally get you alone, he'll get you to believe in that you're all alone. He will convince you that you're all alone. John 10, 12, the wolf catches the sheep. Who's the wolf? Satan. The wolf is Satan, the wolf's the devil, catches the sheep, who's the sheep? That's me and you, the children of God. And what is his goal? To scatter them. To get them distanced from one another. Even if they're sitting in the same house, sitting in the same church, to separate their heart from one another. Why does he do that? Because he knows there's no strength in alone. Elijah, we've been talking about the disciples in Gethsemane and man it just it just helps me to understand some of the dynamics that happened in my life i love the story of peter and his failures and his overcoming and whatever and it just helps me because it's a parallel in my life and in your life it really is elijah is one of those men as well in my life and this story of him praying down fire and praying down rain and outrunning chariots and the Contest and all the wonderful, powerful things that God was doing in this life, his, his, his supernatural anointing, outrunning a chariot back to Jezreel. It's an amazing story. When the fire fell, revival came, and the people... Were shifted away from their compromise and their lukewarmness. Revival came, and all the people began to shout, "The Lord he is God! The Lord he is God!" Man, Elijah's so fired up! And I can just feel that emotion that he's feeling, feeling the anointing on his life. It's so powerful. Let's look at this in First Kings eighteen. When Ahab got home, Ahab's excited too. The wicked king—he's having a revival. He told Jezebel, uh-oh, the usurper of authority, the one who attacks all that is Christ, it's a spirit. He told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal, whacked them all to death. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, may the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Now look at it. Elijah was afraid. Elijah got in fear. His world got turned upside down. He had become disappointed. He, he thought that he had an appointment with revival everywhere. Even Jezebel was going to get in on it. All of a sudden, things didn't turn out the way he thought, and he's, a, he's afraid, and he's fearful. And you know what we do when we get like that? We run for our life. We try to salvage something, save our life. We go into survival mode, and he ran for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. I want you to see that. He left his servant there. Then he went on what? Then he went on what? Then he went on what? Say it loud. Then he went on. And don't listen. I want you to pull yourself up in this story right here because this is what we do. Then he went on along. Into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary, I want you to notice that word too, a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no longer, I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. I want you to understand this is our human nature this is what we do when things get tough when things get overwhelming in our life we get afraid and we run for our life this single solitary life of mine i need to go because nobody cares for me nobody is going to help me I'm, I'm just in this by myself and he left his servant there now who is his servant who is this servant Is his partner this partner in ministry, he's the guy who been with him through the thick and thin. He's the guy that he handpicked to help him as he's journeying through life and carrying out God's mission in his life. He was his partner. They ate together. They slept together. They ran together. They preached together. They prayed together. They did everything together. He was, their, he was their, his partner. In this moment of fear, he dissolved The partnership. He dissolved the partnership. I want to say this before I go any further. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care how you're feeling, what your emotional state is. I don't care what your circumstances are. Never, 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 ever dissolve God's partnerships in your life. Satan is seeking to scatter you, He's seeking to scatter me. And there's a reason. As I said before, there is no strength in alone. I want us to say that together. Listen, there's no strength in alone. Say it again. There's no strength in alone. One more time. There's no strength in alone. Ecclesiastes, two people are better off than one where they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. I want you to understand this is the reality of the kingdom of God. It's how it is. It's how God thinks about you and me. Three are even better. For a triple braided or most translations say a threefold cord cannot easily be broken. I want you to understand our prayer life is a coming in, a recognizing of the partnership that God has placed us in. And the Lord says, when you come in to your time alone with me, into your prayer room, your prayer closet, wherever you spend time alone with God, shut your door and don't come alone. Don't come alone. Alone. Come in the spirit of partnership. You know, I mess with my kids sometimes. My boys come in the house, they're by their self, and I say, What are you doing here? What are you doing here without my grandkids? Never, ever, ever come into my house without my grandkids. Do you understand that? And I go get them. Well, you know that's biblical. <laughs> Kind of, if you stretch it a long way. Listen, when I engage my Heavenly Father in prayer, He never wants me to come alone. I enter into His presence. I say, it's me, Lord, and I've got the whole family with me. I brought the whole family. It's not just me. It's us. Pastor Kevin, prove to me that that's something the Lord thinks about and that what you're saying is accurate and right. Okay. Jesus, teach us to pray. When you pray, pray in this manner. Matthew 6, in this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give what? Give me. No. When you approach the throne of grace to find help in time of need, don't come alone. Don't pray by yourself, from yourself, about yourself. Pray In partnership, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Does anybody get this? And do not lead us into temptation, but I got a lot going on in my life. I need you to help me, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for and ever and ever. Lord, I know you can do this for us, for me and the family. The power of corporate prayer. We need to rediscover its normal Christianity. Prayer from those and with those that you are in partnership with. We gave this illustration in this series: Peter in prison, locked down, no way out. And the church is over here. Well, we lost Peter. <laughs> Let's do a little memorial service for him. No constant prayer was made for Peter by his partners, the church. And they are weeping with him, and they are they are putting themselves in a mindset like I'm chained with him. Like another scripture says in God's word, that's my partner, that's our partner, and let's pray for him. And you know heaven responded, chains fell off, prison door swung, swung open, and he's free. We see in James, just so matter of fact, I'm going to be honest with you. Why, Pastor Kevin, do you feel like the church needs revival? Why are you always talking about a great awakening? Why are you always talking about getting back to normal? I'll tell you why. Because a places like James, hey, if anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders. Come on, anoint him with oil, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. If he's committed any sins, they'll be forgiven. Come on, somebody. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's so matter of fact. It's just like, okay, you're sick, come up here. Let's, don't you? With all poop, you're healed. And if you forget, had any sins in your life, they're forgiven too. I want to be honest with you. i made the rounds for a few years. I went Pentecostal for a while. I went full gospel for a while. I went charismatic for a while. I've been baptized. Look, you're looking at a Heinz 57 mud up here. I don't want to tell you, you know, we have our little learned behavior and our little learned doctrines and theologies all over the place, but I'm going to tell you, there ain't no church I've ever been in that you got cancer, you got this, you got that, you got whatever, and the, and, the, and you can come up here and the partner's pray for you, and you're healed. And I just keep praying, no, just, no, just, just come up, anointed with oil, Poop. How many of you think the church needs to be revived? If that's normal, then I need to start learning the power of Corporate prayer, prayer from our partners. Can I get a witness in the house? Just being gathered together in love and in unity, there's power. There's power. You see, in Pentecost, they were all with one accord in one place. They were all with one accord in one house. And the Spirit of God came upon them as of cloven tongues of fire, and a fire set on every head. A fire came on every head. We see in Acts 4 when they were being persecuted and they were, they were threatened, don't preach Jesus anymore. And they went back to the house and they were praying and they were intimidated. And the Bible said they all lifted up their voice in one accord and prayed. And all of a sudden, the place where they were assembled was shaken together and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. There's something about partners in agreement together before the Lord that brings the anointing, the power, and the kingdom of heaven in our lives. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius' house. Peter's up there preaching. Nobody's saying, we need the Holy Ghost to fall on us today. We need the Holy Ghost to fall. Nobody's saying anything. They're just all with one accord. The, the gospel's about to be brought to the Gentiles, which is me and you. And that as, as Peter was preaching the word, the Bible said the Holy Spirit fell on everybody in the house. Is it important to be in the house loving one another and in partnership together so that the fire that falls on you falls on me? Does the church, the modern church today, do we need to get a revelation of this? Absolutely. I'll take it a step further. One day, I, just this, this, this dawned on me. One day I was talking to one of my kids and it happened, you know, the first time or two I heard Josh preach and, you know, sometimes I just hear my kids say things and the revelation they have. And, and I'm like, when did that happen? I didn't sit them down and teach them doctrines and theologies and whatever. And if I would have said, hey, listen to me, what message did you hear? Or can you recount anything that you ever, or recall anything I've ever preached? And I, I don't remember one thing, Dad. Let me tell you what happens. When you're in love, when you honor one another, when the Word of God is being preached, there's something being infused into your life and you don't even realize it. There's something about when your pastor preaches, whoever he is, if it's me in this church or he prophesies something God's got in his spirit or he's he's praying over the congregation, if you are there and you are in love and you are understanding partnership together, it is doing something in your life beyond what your intellect understands. Somebody say amen. amen. It's a power of partnership. And let me just say this. I, when people say, oh, Pastor Kim, pray for me. I say, oh, I do, I pray for you all the time. There's things that you're praying over me that's protecting me and helping me. It's partnership and the power of, of partnership. Listen, there's a lot of things going on in our country right now, right? And have you, have you, have you, have you, have you realized at this point that the White House can't help you? No, I'm talking about, I'm talking about President Trump too. He can't help you. Biden can't help you. White House can't help you. And I got some guys that we vote for to go down to Washington and sit in the room. They're called representatives, and you know what they're called where they're assembled? They call them the what? The house. <laughs> when there's some injustice in my life, and I'm, I'm looking for God to do something, you know, that's just, or that I'm looking for justice to happen, and people to do the right thing, we, we, we go to the courthouse. But I'm going to tell you, the political house is not going to deliver your soul. I'm telling you right now, turn off Fox, turn off CNN, whoever you are, whatever you are. I'm telling you, nobody in the political house can help you save your soul, deliver you, come on, and give you eternal life. I don't care what side of the aisle they're on. Nobody can help you. That's revelation to somebody. You think the next guy's going to bail us out? Nobody can bail us out. No man can bring gas prices down if God's trying to get our attention. No man can make the right decision to get COVID or whatever the next pandemic is out of our life if God's trying to show us something and bring us back to himself. The White House cannot help you. You might shrink at this one a little bit, but the schoolhouse can't help you either. Sometimes in our mentality, we think well, if we just get everybody educated, everything will turn out right. But I've watched this for, for thirty—that's why I got the thirty-three, baby. I was past uh, thirty-three years trying to go ahead and make that right. I've watched a lot of people. You know, they raise up their kids and they educate and do all this, and they send them off to school and they send them off to college, and they got all these degrees and blah 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 blah, and they're falling away from God. Get education, but understand, education, education won't deliver your soul. My kids are dumb as dirt. Homeschoolers, every one of them can't spell, can't talk, can't do nothing. But they all love Jesus. No, they're all very intelligent. They really are. But it's the wisdom of God. Do what you need to do. Do what God calls you to do. But understand, education is not the answer to a peaceful, fulfilled, overcoming, successful life. In sports, we got the clubhouse. And I want to tell you something. We're trying to recreate ourselves to death. We're running here. We're playing ball here. we play. And listen, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. I am not here to tell you I know what God tells you to do in your life. And oh, we're going to get a scholarship, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I'm going to tell you right now, the clubhouse is not going to deliver your child's soul. Amen. Not going to keep him out of hell, not going to keep him straight, not going to cause him to overcome in life. Maybe somebody needs to hear this, the drug house ain't going to help you either. I don't need to say a whole lot about that. There's nothing there, and and why anybody would even attempt to start on that stuff, it's amazing, right? After we know the story, we see the lies falling apart, and yet, passing down my road last night, there's a police car at one of the drug houses in our neighborhood, and it's a, I, I know the story. It's just a repetitive, endless cycle of collapse and degradation and sin and judgment, the drug house or anything associated with it is not going to deliver your soul. Drinking a little bit of wine and alcohol to deal with your anxieties ain't going to help you. Popping pills ain't going to help you. I, I'm just—I'm giving you general. I know there's some medication, medication things you know, that needs to happen in certain chemicals, blah, 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 whatever. Just hear what I'm saying to you today. There ain't no house on planet Earth can save you, deliver you, help you other than God's house filled with God's people in partnership together. Think about it. Think about it. There's no refuge on planet Earth. I don't care if you got in a jet and flew all the way around the world. There's no place on planet Earth that can keep you safe, fix you, protect you, and position you for the kingdom of God other than what happens in God's house. And most people have no understanding of that. They don't understand what Satan is trying to do in their life. They don't get it. They have no discernment. And the bottom line is, I need you and you need me, and we need each other. Can I get an amen right there? Jesus said in Matthew 18, again, I say to you that if two, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. I know that scripture. I probably said it a, a thousand times, preached it 500 times. But do we understand what Jesus is saying here? It's not that you can't pray and get an answer from God, but Jesus is teaching the power of united prayer and being in agreement with one one another. Back there, one season, "I, I need a prayer partner, I need you to agree with me, and blah, 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 blah. And some weird situation, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm praying you know, this this girl would fall in love with me and I need you to agree with me in prayer over that and I'm like well I don't I, I, I don't have any I I don't have any revelation. I don't have any faith. I don't want really to know what you're talking about. But Pastor Lisa and I have really been spending time talking about what do we need to agree together in prayer for what is god showing you that you know that you know that is god's will what is god showing me let's agree together in that come on somebody and the bible says it will be done for them by my father in heaven can i get an amen for where two or three are gathered together In my name, I am. I'm there. I'm there in the midst of them. Which is a place for transition here. Not only do I have a partner with you, and me and you together, when I go into that prayer closet, I know you're praying things associated with me and I'm praying things associated with you. And when I just pray, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done upon the God, on your people, God. And you're praying that same thing. Something's happening. Somebody's changing. If their heart is open and they're in partnership. But when I go in that prayer closet, it's more than just me and you. I've got some other partners there. In fact, when you go into your time of prayer, you have a threefold cord with you. You have a threefold cord going in that place with you the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father is partnering with you, partnering with you in prayer. Understand that because, you know, so many times we, we think we're going into a moment of prayer and we're just trying to beckon God to hear us. We're trying to get God to somehow you know, look down on pitiful old me, and maybe I'll say it just right, or maybe my life's cleaned up enough for him to hear me, and we spend so much of our time trying to even believe that God's even a part of what I'm doing right now. I'm telling you, it's a lie. I'm telling you, the Father is with you, partnering with you. Matthew 6 We gave it several times in this series. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father, who is what? Who is in the secret place. Listen, he's waiting for you. You're not trying to beg him in there. He's waiting for you. He's in... The secret place. You're not alone. He's there. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes trouble is occurring in our life. And we just, like the people back in the Old Testament, is the Lord among us or not? You've done it. I've done it. And many times we do it every day. And we question, is the Lord among us or not? But I want to tell you, you know how God responded to that? You know what? It was bad stuff going on. They were being tested. Things didn't look right. They didn't know what was going on. They asked a simple question to their mind Is the Lord among us or not? Because if God was with us, this wouldn't be happening to us. The Bible said that God was angry with them for asking such a question. They should have known when I left, when I brought you up out of Egypt. I am not a deadbeat dad that's going to leave you by the wayside. Do you see that cloud? Do you see that fire? I am with you every day. you see that water that came out of that rock? I have sustained you. I've been with you. And don't you dare ask the question, is the Lord among us or not when you're in pain? Know that God is partnering with you. 1 Kings 19, Elijah, he left his servant. He's going to the mountain of God. And there he went to a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with a sword, and I alone am left. And they seek to take my life. Nobody's with me. I'm all alone, and God, it wouldn't be so bad, but Lord, that whole Jezebel thing, now I'm not sure that you're with me either, and I'm all alone in this world, and I'm trying to go to this mountain. I'm trying to talk to you. I'm trying to have some revelation from your heart. And you know that God sent the earthquake, the the wind, the, the fire, and the earthquake, and God wasn't, God wasn't in it, God wasn't in it. And then a still small voice Elijah, I am not in that turmoil, confusion, chaotic thing that you allow in your brain. I know you're disappointed. But man, you are not where you need to be in your mind right now. You've left that partner over there. Get back to him. And you left me in your heart. What are you doing here? You're not alone, boy. There's 7,000 people who haven't bowed the knee to Baal. And how do you think I've forsaken you? What do you take me for anyway? And you know, Elijah's trying to reconcile himself to God's will like we talked about last week. Most of us including myself, have spent far too much of time, of our time in life questioning whether God is really with us or not, questioning ourselves, questioning our performance, questioning the power of Jesus' blood in my life, questioning the covenant. And I want you to understand this. This this mindset of the Lord, your Father. Luke 12, 32, I know that verse too. I used to preach it all the time. Do not fear, let's read it together. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Stop begging. Let's stop begging. Let's stop trying to talk God and to desire and to give us the kingdom. It is, listen, it is his good pleasure to give you and me the kingdom and stop fearing about it. Can I get a witness in the house? I said, can I get, listen, does he want to give you more than you want to get? Is he more ready in the secret place than you are? Absolutely. Absolutely. He knows your needs before you go in there. He knows a hair on your head. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good, good gifts to those that he loves? Amen? I want you to come in this secret place, and I want you to get in agreement. I've given you exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you might be partakers of my divine nature. I want you to get in and say, Lord, your word says, and I agree with that, and I'm asking for it to manifest in my life. I just need you to get in agreement with my will for your life and begin to ask on that level. Ask, and you shall seek, and you shall knock in the door. Something's got to change in our mindset. Get back to normal Christianity. Faith-filled, believing Christianity. Christianity. The other day, one morning, I was thinking about the night before when little Luke, my little grandson, was at the house, and mommy and daddy came to pick him up, and he wasn't finished playing. He wasn't finished playing in Papa's shop, and he let everybody know, I'm not ready to leave. And when he (laughs) cries, there's something about the way he cries that just tears me apart. And I watched him cry as they were bringing him out the room. The next morning, I'm sitting down in the presence of the Lord, about to read my Bible, and I just literally laughed out loud and thinking about little Luke and how sweet he is and so forth and so on, whatever, and this thought came to my mind. Are you saying that you love your grandson more than I love you? Now, in a multiple test, our true and false question you know God loves you more than anybody, right? But sometimes you think about that a little bit. Are you saying that you love Luke more than I love you? What would you not do for your grandson? What would you not give up? What would you do to bless him? What would you do to protect him? Would you die in the process of trying to protect your, son, your grandson? No question. He was sick. He was in a bad situation. We didn't know what was going on. And I was walking him hour, you know, and every day an hour just walking him and praying and prophesying over that child. And listen, I said, Lord, whatever you need to do, Lord, heal this baby. And if somehow medically, you know, if I could have gave up this or gave up that a part of my body and I died so that he can live, would I do that? I wouldn't even need to pray. Absolutely, and you would too. But I don't know that God loves me that way. Can we be be honest? I don't know that God loves me on that level. But he does. And a million times more, Scott. We need to, to start realizing that the heavenly, our Heavenly Father is in partnership with you, loves you, and would do anything in the world to see you overcome. But I have to believe that. If I'm running, hiding in mountains, or caves rather, questioning is the Lord among us or not, I short-circuit, I hinder God's working in my life. The Father's partnered with you. The Son is partnered with you as as well. Jesus is partnering with you in prayer. What did Jesus say in John 14? I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Guys, it doesn't matter what happens from here. Going forward, there's gonna be some stuff, gonna be some difficulties. Gonna be some years past, but I am not to say, I'm not gonna leave you like an orphan. Someone who has been left alone by their parents. Somebody say amen. I will come to you. And Jesus didn't come to hang out with me. What's he doing? What's he doing when I pray? Hebrews 7:25, therefore, he is able also to save to the uttermost. I love this this is amplified completely perfectly finally and for all time and eternity those who come to God through him he saves us that much amen since he always he is always living to do what he's always living to make petition to God he ever liveth to make intercession He's on the right hand of God and he's praying for me. He's in the prayer closet with me, praying in the person of the Holy Spirit, praying for me. Put that scripture back up, please. He is always living to make petition to God and intercede with him and intervene for them. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. You ever think about that? Probably not. You ever think about that when you're in the prayer class, Jesus is praying for me? You ever think about it when you're going through a bad day and things are going wrong and what are you going to do? That Jesus is praying for you? And Jesus isn't like me and you. We kind of fluctuate in our zeal of praying for our partners, but not Jesus. In his deepest distress, he was praying for his partners. Peter, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have... I prayed for you, son, that your faith would not fail. I'm praying for you, Peter. In John 17, right before he goes in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays his high, priestly prayer. We call him theology. You know what he's praying? Read it yourself. It's so powerful. Father, keep these boys. Keep them, Lord. I've kept them thus far. I've kept the ones that you've given me. I'm fixing to get disconnected from you, and I need you to take over here and help me out here. How did Jesus keep those disciples tracking in the right direction? Come here, Peter! Grab him by the scalp. Come on, Peter! He kept them in prayer. All those times he, he spent the night in prayer. He's praying for you, me. He's praying for the disciples. He is praying for us so that our faith would not fail. And he says, Father, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world. We need them in the world. But I pray that you would keep them from the evil one. And I don't pray for these only, but for all those who will believe in me through their preaching." Which is, sit, which is you right here sitting in this room. Jesus was praying for you in that high priestly prayer that you would be kept from the evil one if you will believe. Can I get a witness in the house? That Jesus is partnering with you as you pray. I want you to understand that Jesus gave us his name so that we could approach the throne of grace in John 16. Up to now, you've asked nothing in the Father's name. Ask, you've asked nothing in the Father. Ask in my name and it will be given to you. Ask in my name, guys. When you live out your ministry and you live out your life, ask in my name and the Father will give to you whatever you need. He's given us his name. I want you to understand it is not a tag on the end of a prayer. We do it, there's nothing wrong with it. It helps us to solidify what we're, what we're doing, and we pray, and we say, in Jesus' name. I don't say stop that, but I want you to say it is not a tag on the end of a prayer that's some special thing that God, no, this is what it is. When I pray, I am a joint heir with Jesus. I am in him, he's in me, we're in partnership, and so when I pray, it's like Jesus praying. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Is that right? It is. It is. You know, some people get hung up on baptism and, you know, uh, uh, do we say in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, or we say in Jesus' name, blah, 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 you know the little thing, contention that goes on out there sometimes. I don't know that we need to say anything when we baptize. That's tradition. That's just Tradition. The Bible says everything you do in word and in deed, do all in the name of Jesus. I don't say a sentence in Jesus' name. I don't go, you know, mow my lawn and say, in Jesus' name, I mow my lawn. What the Bible is saying, be identified with Jesus in everything you do. You're representative of him and you are in partnership with him and let, Jesus, let people see Jesus in you. Can I get a witness in the house? Everybody say partnership with Jesus. Jesus is with you no matter what you're going through in life. No matter what persecution, he's in the fire with you. Do I need to tell you the story? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown in the fire. The king gets up. Hey, how many we throw in there? Three. I see four walking around, and the fourth guy is like the son of God. When Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, even if you're in the fire, he's there with you. And finally, the Holy Spirit is partnering with us in prayer. I'll make this very simple. Romans 8, likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I don't know how many languages are in the world today, but how many of you know the Holy Spirit can speak every one of them? I don't care what jungle, I don't care what tribe, I don't care how far out, I don't care how disconnected they are. How many of you know when they pray, the Holy Spirit knows what they're saying? Do y'all believe that today? He speaks every language. And he speaks groaning too. he speaks groaning too that's why I don't I'm not a big advocate of just sitting down and trying to make some formula about prayer and tell you this that something something I used to do that I'm telling you when when you when you have a heart to pray you pray well I don't know what to say I don't know what to say I don't, can you groan you ever have one of those moments when you want God so bad in your life or you want God to fix something so bad in your life and you don't know what to do and something's going wrong in your life and you you don't even know what to say and all you can do is go, oh, God! Holy Spirit knows what that meant. Help me! Sometimes not that.
4: Oh! Oh!
3: I mean, the Holy Spirit knows what you're saying. And he's making interpretation. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Don't miss that. The Holy Spirit makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Oh, God receives a translation from the Holy Spirit bringing you into the will of God in your life. Anybody get that today? Well, I don't know if I know enough to get in there and pray something's going to be good in my life. I don't know. All you got to do is groan. Amen? Eight, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to purpose. Let me just say, some bad things that may be happening in your life, but how many of you know when you pray and you give it to God, God is turning it to the good? Even in your failure, Peter, your failure, God's turning it to the good. You won't do that again. You learn about that, some pride and Self confidence in your life, he'll turn it to the good, make you a better man for it. That's our God, amen? Amen. So here's the deal. As a child of God, I cannot be alone. Now, listen to me. It's impossible for me to ever be alone. Leave me alone. Servant, leave me alone. i got to go find God way over there. I'm alone, disconnected from God. This is what's so hilarious. Do you know that your story is ridiculous to me and ridiculous to God? And my story is ridiculous to you? You know, what's up with you? What's the big deal? It's ridiculous. So Elijah's going... And all of a sudden, he lays down, he's so tired, and he gets under a solitary juniper tree. Because I don't want another tree touching another tree. I don't want no partner trees. I want this tree to feel just like me all alone. Right? And as he's sitting on that tree, an angel of the Lord. Come on, somebody. An angel of the Lord taps him on the shoulder and says, you real tired, you're real hungry, and you're real thirsty. And there was a little Debbie cake right there and a jar of water. But I'm so alone, God don't see me. Next day, angel shows up again, Josh. I need God to engage in my life. What he didn't understand and what you don't understand and what I don't understand so much, you can't be alone. Everywhere you go, everything that's going on in your life, you can never be alone. When you're in the cave, the still small voice is still speaking to you. You just got to believe. Can I get a witness in the house? Is anybody with me? Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, if I make my bed in HE double hockey sticks, which is really shield, the place of the dead, there ain't no God in hell mistranslation it's a place of the dead it's a waiting holding place behold you are even there if i take the wings of the morning come on somebody dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea and i flap like a bird and i fly to the most remote island out there in some place that nobody even knows about even there your right hand shall lead me come on somebody if I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, it's, it's, it's it this time, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you. Can I get a witness? Band, come up. But the night shines as the day, the darkness and the light are both like to you. I never get lost in space. God is always with me, and God is always with you, child of God. How important is to know you're a child of God? Let's stand to our feet. Put up John. Can Jesus teach us something? Can we can we can we learn from the Master? Yes. Listen. Indeed the hour is coming, yes, has now come that you will be what? You're going to be scattered. Everyone's going to leave me and forsake me and will leave me what? You'll be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me what? And will leave me alone. And yet, I, come on, am not alone because the Father is with me. Can I get a witness in the house? I don't care who scatters from you. I don't care what happens in your life. I don't care if what the relationship entailed and painful things are occurring in your life. You're never alone. Bible says, and I think it's a psalm that says, when my mother and father forsake me, Lord, you will take care of me. If you're an orphan in this world, you're not alone. God will take care of you. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have what? Last week, you may have peace. In the world you will have tri- tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Can I get a witness in the house? Somebody say, I'm never alone. Never alone. I'm never alone. I've been meditating on that in the last week or two and it's been so powerful in my life. He's always with me. But when I take a moment to get in the word or pray and I draw near to God, Mike, what you saying? He draws near to me. That's powerful. He's always with me. But when I draw near to him, he even draws closer to me. Come on, somebody. Will that change your mindset? Listen, when you pray, don't go alone. Take me with you. Take your spouse with you. Take your kids with you. Take, your, take the family of God with you. Take the loss around you with you. And God's going to hear you as you pray. And as you pray, understand the Father already knows what he wants to do. He just needs you to get in agreement with it. Amen. Know Jesus is there. He's interceding for you. And the Spirit of God, even when you don't even know what to say, he's taking those words and he's interpreting it perfect for you that the will of God may be done in our life. Is that important today? Father, thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. We bless you today. Father, we thought about some things, we talked about some things today that we don't think about much. My God, help us. Help us to be the the living reality of our life, oh God, as we pray. Help, Help us, your children, to understand these things. You are always with us, oh God. You are always with us if you're in the room today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior I know you're trying to search for him, I know you're trying to figure some things out, put it back 17 real quick and he is made from one blood, look at it every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each of us, what does that mean? God will take your life. He'll put some boundaries around your life so that you can't get away from Him. Come on. And He'll just position you. And and He'll position you. And He'll set times in your life. And you think this by this and that. No, no, He knows what He's doing. you don't know Him. You know what you're doing? You start doing this. You start feeling for the answers. You start groping in the darkness because God's a million miles away. But what you don't know is He's not far from you right now. You just have to reach out in faith and say, God, have your way in my life. Jesus, you're you're my Lord and my Master, my Savior. you died for my sins. I receive you into my heart. Save me, Lord. He's not far from you any one of us in this room today. Is that God's word? God's so far away from me. No, he's not. He's one act of repentance away. That's next week. He's one beckoning away. He's one prayer away. Ask. And he'll save you. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in our lives. Thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. I want to sing a little bit of that song, I am never alone. Come on, let's worship the Lord today and embrace this song today as we sing. Let it believe, let it be what you believe before you leave this room today. I am not alone.
1: Come on, listen. When I'm
3: Come on. In
1: the fire,
3: I will not be Raise your hand if you believe it today. You're in agreement with that today. Through the valley of, of the, shadow the shadow of death, shadow. I will fear no evil.